But the first, first thing that comes to mind when, when you ask me the top identity security concern is they typically don't know where they're standing today. They have no clear insights on who has what rights, uh, what systems are in place, how are things connected or disconnected. So I think just understanding today where they are and where they need to move next uh, to step up the security is always their first concern. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP podcast. Microsoft Cloud Security Solution Suites, for example, Enterprise Mobility and Security, the Defender family, its Sentinel scene, are for most organizations using the Microsoft Cloud the only guardians they have against a big bad world out there. So it's pretty important to understand what's going on with these products and getting some more insight as to where they're headed. My guest today is Martin Hoot, Director for Cybersecurity at Wartel. Wartel is based in the Netherlands where it provides consultancy services and is also a managed service provider. Martin is also a long-standing expert in Microsoft technologies. He's been an MVP and Microsoft Regional Director for more than 16 years, a recognition for his efforts in knowledge sharing and building Microsoft communities around the world. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. So, Martin, tell me what's your interaction with the Microsoft security products and, and how that works with Fortel and how does that work with you in particular? Yeah, so that's actually quite interesting. I, I work on the intersection of both leading the teams that, that perform our services as well as talking to customers to really understand strategically where they're going with their security uh, efforts and strategy. And so during a, a normal week, we both look at specific customer asks and how they go from their current security challenges into a more secure and hardened world. Uh, but also with our managed detection and response and our consulting teams look at like what are the things we should do to make keep them safe along with our, uh, with our 24-7 crew. So it ranges from architecture work, strategy talks, uh, but also nitty-gritty details on uh, technology settings, configuration things that we need to do across all of our customers to keep them safe. So I'm quite fortunate to have a good group around me and use my technical, well, both expertise and experience to uh, be on the intersection of strategic, technical, and operational work. So you're involved, and Wartel is involved in all aspects of it then, architecture, design, security configuration, and management and response. Yeah, and that's something we package up. So we know over the course of years what would be best practices, what would be a blueprint, what have been approaches that have worked for other customers. And we talk to those customers on how they could get their next step done, like what is a certain plan or strategy they should have with really practical steps for next and next steps afterwards. Uh, but then not just having a report or some sort of vision uh, in PowerPoint, but making sure they have something physically 
practical, configured in that environment uh, to make sure that they're safer tomorrow than they were yesterday. Right. I think we've hopefully have all reached the point where we recognize that even though the security solutions are a cloud service, it's more than just turning a switch to make you safe. There's actually a great deal of complexity and configuration that has to happen here. Absolutely. And uh, I think Microsoft certainly does a good job to help you along the way. Uh, but but some things are specific to your environment or to your business operation. Uh, you're probably on the intersection of some hybrid world and configuration. So uh, you might configure one thing in the cloud, but how does that relate or how does that not help you protect uh, on-prem? So figuring out a strategy that works across your whole environment, whether it's office environment, but even nowadays industrial environments, that's something that matters uh, quite a bit. And uh, like you said, uh, technology is one piece of the puzzle. You need to make sure that there's also processes in place, that you have a strategy, that people are trained, and that you uh, are keeping up with priorities and things happening overnight. Uh, Because as everybody probably uh, can relate to, the security space is changing quite a bit with all of the things happening from uh, an offensive side, all these uh, financial motivated groups, uh, even nation states or opportunistic uh, hackers, but also on the other side, defensive, where we're looking at what kind of solutions do we have available to us uh, that we can put in place. That makes a lot of sense. So you had mentioned that you're talking to, you know, on a weekly basis, you talk to your customers and help them Uh, help understand what their concerns are and help them design roadmaps to make them more secure. What would you say are your customers' top identity concerns that you're seeing today? Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, uh, many, of course, because this is a subject that, uh, well, is the core of, I would say, their security approach to make sure that we have a solid identity strategy and a secure identity strategy in place. Uh, But the first thing that comes to mind when when you ask me the top identity security concern is they typically don't know where they're standing today. They have no clear insights on who has what rights, uh, what systems are in place, how are things connected or disconnected. So I think just understanding today where they are and where they need to move next uh, to step up the security is is always their first concern, Uh, even without like other technical things they might throw at uh, at us is like having a good understanding of their current posture is something that I would say is a number one concern uh, because if you don't have any insights, it will be quite hard to make a plan and make improvements. What's your opinion of the Microsoft security score for helping them understand where they are and how secure they are? Well, I would say it's a it's a stepping stone. It's something that uh, certainly for for mid-sized companies and and people and companies that have uh, some identity uh, knowledge, it, it helps them to get some first pointers into things that might be low-hanging fruit that they might not have had configured yet, uh, things that uh, they could have a look at. Um, but the real challenge there is like how do you interpret it uh, and how does it fit to your environment and how does it fit into the bigger, broader strategy. So I think one of the things that always amazes me is there's many places within the Microsoft security products and worlds where you could see 
uh, a certain score, uh, a secure score, an identity score, all sorts of scores. But how do you add them up? How do you make it like one solid approach and the things that you need to do there is, uh, I would regard it as a stepping stone. I've certainly seen in my own work over the years, uh, for example, Intune reports, Intune reporting structures that are very misleading because you know, a typical Microsoft tenant has both regular users and uh, guest users, external external users that are configured differently than internal users are. And so you get these exclusion lists that says, you know, you, that you have this large number of identities, two thirds or three quarters of them could be external identities. And it, it skews your results. So you, right, it definitely has some they have benefits, but there's there's still quite a few gaps in those assessments. Well, and, and you're right there, like you're, you're deviating in your example with external users, but uh, those scores and those measures are, are built in a perfect world uh, and they relate to a perfect setting. Uh, your world and your environment is not perfect. It has built over the years and, and you still need to make sure that uh, becomes more secure. Uh, so you need to take it, uh, well, as input and then work with some of that information from a broader perspective. But the other thing that I find a bit misleading with such a score is that it seems finite. It seems like uh, when I reach 100, I'm done. Like uh, I'm at 99, I tick one box and now I'm done. I can never look at security again. It's well configured. But security is like an ongoing process. This takes time, effort, uh, money, uh, focus out of your organization and your budget. And so um, getting scores up means that you're doing stuff that probably makes you a bit more secure. But those are technical settings and certainly it doesn't end when you reach 100. Right, because if you're not doing appropriate governance or you're not don't have appropriate procedures, you'll start to get configuration drift that will bring it back down again. Right, and uh, and tomorrow we might find something that also needs some security attention, a new vulnerability, or a new way to become more secure. Or uh, so, so I think um, well, having this in place does give you some information, but I wouldn't rely on it as a sole way to make your security strategy work. Um, it's it's interesting, though, that Microsoft does keep adding those things like secure score, identity score. Uh, I've seen in, for instance, their new one of their new entry solutions, a permissions creep index uh, with also a score. Um, Apparently, it is something that, uh, because it's a bit of, I would say, some some sort of gamification of what we're doing, uh, it does help people, I guess, to well, focus attention to this problem uh, and maybe spend some time because they see a score improving. So if it leads to the fact that people spend more time in this area, I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, but certainly, again, just reiterating, don't take it as your only way going forward. When you're talking to your customers, especially the ones that are early in their security journey with the Microsoft security products, what do you recommend as far as their their most effective solutions, the most bang for their buck to have them get started? Not everybody can have a, an E5 license for all of their users. What do you recommend on the roadmap? Sure. No, and, and I hear you there. Um, actually, even before we 
talk to them and say like these are things you should uh, add extra or configure or perhaps even buy a license for we already hint them to the fact that they can just use the security defaults uh, settings today to just get some basic stuff in place that really already helps harden uh, that identity um, solution uh, Azure AD. And so even before we talk about things like perhaps Azure AD identity protection, because that's one of the things I'm quite a big fan of, uh, I would already point them to the fact that just first get the security defaults in. That's something you can do today. Uh, will help you do an assessment if there's anything that will be impacted, but make sure you get those in place to, to already get some, some really good hardening in there. Uh, but having identity protection and, and Microsoft, uh, well, has that uh, there to look at your patterns to uh, give you some information about accounts or activities that shouldn't happen and also potentially block that request already. That's something that helps a lot uh, before you step into bigger uh, broader solutions like, well, like SIMs or permissions management or what have you. Um, make sure that the identity itself is protected uh, and that you have the defaults in place. Can you describe briefly what identity protection is for those that aren't familiar with it and, and how few settings there really are associated with it? Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that uh, that makes identity protection quite a bit because uh, it automates uh, the risk detection and the remediation, I would say, for, for all of those identity-based risks that you have with Azure AD. Um, the automated risk detection looks through things like machine learning and patterns at what is normal behavior for broadly the Microsoft services, but also specifically your tenant and your users. And from there on, if there is some sort of anomaly or something that's uh, not in the ordinary, then uh, there is a remediation possible, for instance, by blocking that activity or uh, disabling the user temporarily. Those are things that help because, um, well, these uh, the, the identity um, patterns and activities you have are very specific to your environment. Uh, maybe you have lots of folks coming in, uh, maybe you have a lot of remote work, maybe you have lots of offices everywhere, maybe lots of apps. Um, those are things typically hard for log systems to, to detect patterns in, but through things like machine learning and AI uh, and just Microsoft having the breadth of knowledge over all of these tenants, but also the specific one for you, helps uh, get insights and uh, yeah, depending on, on what you feel would be the appropriate action, just alerting you or take some remediation action uh, as your AD identity protection can, can do that as well. We like to talk a fair amount on this podcast about strong authentication, particularly multi-factor authentication, MFA. And in my consulting time, there was a real education that needed to be given and it's uh, to call it an uneasiness with the way Microsoft multi-factor authentication works, regardless of the mechanism, the challenge mechanism that's used, the method, because you don't get uh, an authentication challenge nearly as often as one would traditionally. Do you have any uh, opinions on that or insight? Uh, I'd love to hear 
your perspective on this and how you talk to users, how you talk to organizations about this, especially the security people that don't get MFA challenges as often as they're used to getting them? What do you say to them? Hmm, Good question. Well, I think in general, um, from an MFA adoption standpoint, we're in quite a different uh, time now than, than we were three or five years ago. Many people do relate to it quite a bit through other services there from their banking and whatnot. And when they're working on, for instance, Windows platforms with integrations with Windows Hello for Business and whatnot, is that we feel that the adoption and integration is actually quite smooth and quite uh, quite easy to, to, to do. But like you said, it depends on the ease of the methods that you're providing to them and, and, and all of the... All of the like what are the means they're getting to respond to those challenges? Um, so yeah, I'm I don't have a, a big opinion on it, other than we see a strong adoption of it, and we see less and less uh, business workers really objecting against it, or organizations that feel that they uh, they have a hard time implementing it. But it does, to me, uh, well work quite a bit in conjunction with your passwordless strategy and with perhaps the endpoint of your choosing, the integration with Windows Hello on, on, on the Windows OS and certainly the mobile phones. You know, you mentioned the passwordless strategy and I'm go- going to seize on that for a second. And just for a short question and ask, are your customers looking more deeply into it? Have any of your customers adopted it or at least are piloting it? It's the tip of the iceberg at this point. Uh, we've we've been quite advocating for it quite a bit um, over the past year. I would say the first few customers are are willing to move. Um, now I must say that Holland, uh, the Netherlands, has has always been a quick mover on things, new technologies, uh, but also uh, new approaches like passwordless. Uh, so we do see the first companies moving into it, uh, but certainly not the majority yet. Uh, so I think we're still in early days on on where passwordless is, but the fact that we have that in our like toolkit is something that helps a lot. And then maybe smaller companies willing to move and able to move fast might already go today and tomorrow, while through enterprises or bigger deployments might take a bit of time to uh, to get them convinced and figure out how to do the adoption with them. Right. The complexity and the technical debt that larger enterprises have versus the agility uh, or, or or perhaps simpler um, environments that the smaller companies have. For us, it does also rely a bit on the context you're operating in. And we typically see that smaller to mid-sized companies, they're quite Microsoft-focused, uh, lots of Windows endpoints, uh, smaller shops that move fast. So through Windows Hello again, or uh, the authenticator on the phone, we, we could go passwordless quite quick. Now on these bigger enterprises, there's so many other things in play, other types of endpoints, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that might make your adoption strategy uh, just a tiny bit harder. Right. Well, so a burning question that I and others have had is around Microsoft Entra. So this is the the announcement recently of sort of the broader umbrella around Microsoft identity products. So I'm very interested in your opinion. Is 
intra a distinct evolution of Microsoft's identity platform, or is it simply rebranding distinct, you know, distinct t- technologies such as Azure Active Directory? under Mm. one umbrella. There's quite an analogy there with Defender because at first it feels and it it looks like a rebranding and it is uh, because some of the things were already there like you mentioned Azure AD now falls on the Entra umbrella. Uh, But that's just to make sure that we're all considering this as one interconnected vision and strategy for securities and identities. Uh, because if you look today that through their acquisition of CloudNox, uh, they've also, well, at this point as a preview, but released uh, Entra permissions management. Uh, and of course, there's Entra verified ID. So Entra is the starting point of a broader vision they have of where I would say identity is going. So to me, it's not just a name. It's the start of this integrated approach, which we'll probably see technically um, becoming more and more integrated over the years. Uh, They're doing the first acquisitions to fill gaps, which is great because the permissions management, and and maybe we could talk about that for a second even more, there's lots of stuff that that you're getting there. But to me, it's also about they're committed to the cause to make sure that identity uh, is like this trust fabric for your entire digital ecosystem. And... uh, Again, it's like Defender. We, we had one or two things that were called Defender uh, that were just rebranded. And, and, and now we have 17 products in the Defender family, yeah. <laughs> of which many of them work together at this point. You alluded to a great area to explore just a little bit, and that's CloudNox and permissions management. I think that is the least understood aspect of Entra. Can you help us out there? Yeah, that, that's actually quite new, of course, because it's just last summer that they acquired um, CloudNox. And, uh, well, if you look at some of like the Gartner diagrams on, on cloud infrastructure entitlement management, it, it was and is a leader. And so from a first perspective, uh, it's rebranded and, and it's coming into the Microsoft Entra family. Um, but what it does, it, it, it gives you permissive management. So... It looks at this unified, uh, it gives you this unified view of permissions of any identity across any cloud. And that's interesting because it's not just Azure AD, uh, it's certainly also uh, GCP and AWS. Uh, You get this comprehensive view, and and we joked about it earlier in this podcast, but uh, you get all these like scores, like how are you doing on permission creep? Uh, But um, so... Like I said, with this top security concern, it helps you get insights as an enterprise into what's happening in all of those environments and whether or not you're at um, things are of concern. But then from that point on, it starts to help you automate the least privileged access because that's the end goal, making sure that there's only permissions there that, that have the least privilege uh, needed. And so it looks at uh, actually some of the historical usage um, and and hints to you like these are the things you could configure to right-size those permissions. And then, of course, uh, going at some of the detection and reporting capabilities, it it starts to look at anomaly detection, again, some machine learning there. So CloudNox is actually quite broad, some insight views, some actions for you to right-size it to least privilege, and then some, uh, well, reporting detections through ML. I see. That's CloudNox, and we've talked 
uh, about some of the other various products. Where do you see the identity security solutions going? What's in the future? What do you see roadmap wise? What do you think the solution suite will look like in two years, one or two or three years? Hmm. Yeah, what everybody's figuring out by now is like identity is not just about directories. Uh, like access is not just about the network. Um, like our security challenges become broader. So so we need broader solutions. And that's what the entry suite will give us over time. Uh, because we need to secure access for every employee, every microservice, every sensor, every, I don't know, device database. So Identity, again, as a trust fabric for the entire digital ecosystem. And, and I think that's where Entra is going. And, and today we have three products there, and, and, and it's early days for permissions management, but, but it's already there, and Azure ID is very, very mature today. Uh, but like Defender, I don't know, three, four years ago, uh, and we just said that going from 2 to 17 solutions, many of them working uh, in orchestration, um, that's the same, I would say, for Entra. We need to embrace this broader strategy uh, and move beyond just directories. So what you see is what we have seen, a recognized process of the way Microsoft takes individual products to address individual solutions and then integrates them. And I'll say that with double quotes because they're not really. And then spend the next several years actually integrating them and making them work together uh, as as a platform. Yeah, and I think that that's, that that's actually a pretty good strategy because uh, you could learn along the way, make sure that as a typical point solution, they also work as one of the best for what they need to do there. Uh, but the acceleration, the the, the being able to, um, well, broadly uh, look at this problem means that they need to be technically working uh, together. Uh, and like you said, that's something that uh, that often happens since phase two. Uh, but with the speed of cloud, with the number of people and money they're throwing at it, uh, they're moving quite fast. And, uh, and you could certainly see that today already with how they integrated cloud knocks over the past few months. Well, thanks, Martin. I really appreciate your insight into what's going on and what your customers care about around the Microsoft security solutions. I know our listeners are typically deeply involved in their own journey with these solutions. So having an outside perspective is always very helpful. Well, wonderful. It was good uh, talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com, that's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.